Let's begin with the word of prayer. Father in heaven, we give you thanks that you are a God who has revealed your word and your will to us. Lord, we pray today that as we hear this word, you would soften our hearts, you would drive us to repentance, and you would teach us to follow you faithfully. Always point us to your son, Jesus, who has lived perfectly in accordance with your will for our salvation. Now, Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Have you ever knowingly broke a rule thinking you were going to get away with it only to get caught? Like you, you broke the rule, you, you sinned, you did the wrong thing, but in your mind you thought you had some pretty good reason for it, and so you tried to justify yourself to your accuser to try and prove that you were kind of okay with what you did. Um, let me give you an example of what I'm, what I'm trying to get at here. Uh, speaking of getting back to school, back when I was in high school, I remember once uh, when I was a freshman, I desperately wanted to be popular. I wanted people to like me, unlike any other freshman, I'm sure. Uh, and as I was there, there was a, a guy who came to me who was popular, who had a lot of friends, a lot of people liked him, and he came up to me one day and he said, hey, Bob, I need your help. Uh, I didn't do my homework. Could I borrow yours? And I thought to myself, yes, this will give me some street cred. I'll help this guy out. I'll give him my homework. This is fine. It was probably a stupid move on my part. Uh, what was perhaps a more stupid move was on his part when he decided to copy my homework in the front row right in front of the teacher. See, not a smart move on anyone's part. And, of course, he got caught. So we were pulled out into the hallway, and we were read the riot act by my teacher, uh, Mr. Stoltz. Great teacher, but man, never make that guy mad. He, he ripped us up and down, and I'll never, remember, I'll never forget uh, him saying to me, What were you thinking? Now, how am I going to get out of this? What was I doing? I decided to make the right move, in my mind, and appeal to the higher law of charity. I was just trying to help him out. He was so worried. That'll be it, right? That's the ticket. I cheated, but I did so in order to help a friend. I did so from a good place. My heart was in the right place, so out of love for my poor, distraught pal, I let him copy my homework. Turns out charity doesn't trump cheating. Ah, and I still got in trouble, and so did he, and no one was helped, and it was a great big disaster. But notice what I did there. I appealed to a higher law. I tried to get out of it by looking for a loophole. Yeah, cheating is bad, but charity is good, so there's my loophole. I did it for the right reasons, which wasn't true either, but that's beside the point. But this is how we act when we get caught sinning. This is how we act when we get caught breaking a rule. We try and rationalize. We try and justify ourselves. We try and look for the loophole. Yeah, I did the wrong thing, but I did it for the right reasons. We always think that we are the exception to the rule when we have committed a sin or when we have broken uh, some kind of commandment or some kind of rule. We like to think we are the exception, but the reality is we aren't. And this is especially true when it comes to the commands of God. There are no loopholes when it comes to the commands of God. There is no higher law we can appeal to to rationalize our disobedience to God's law. Cheating is cheating, no matter how you try and justify it in your head. No matter how you try and get out of it. No matter what loophole you try and find. Especially with the commandments of God. Now this is the very thing Jesus is debating today with the Pharisees and the scribes, that is the teachers of the law. 
Uh, They've come to Jesus, and these scribes and teachers of the law are rather upset with Jesus and his disciples because these guys aren't obeying the traditions of the elders, the the religious practices of the Jewish people of those days. Uh, There was a ritual cleaning they would do. They would ritually wash their hands before they ate food. And there's all kinds of reasons for that that we're not going to get into today. Uh, But they noticed that the disciples would not do this. And so they come to Jesus and they say, why do your disciples not follow the traditions of the elders? And this just sets Jesus off. Because he is upset with them. Because though his disciples might not be following their man-made traditions, these Pharisees, they are not following the commandments of God. And they're using their traditions to get out of it. They're using their traditions as loopholes to not, to, to not actually obey the commandments of God. Let me get specific here. Let's get into the text today to see actually here what I'm talking about. Now, Jim uh, did a nice job with the children's message today. At the beginning, you'll notice he said, pretend like you're in school. So that's what we're going to do today. We're going to pretend like we're in school. I'm getting excited here, you see. We have Bible studies coming up here in a few weeks. Our small groups are kicking off. We're really going to be learning the Word word of God together here at CLC. So I'm excited for education. And so right now, we're going to get educated on the text today. So so pretend you're in school. Put your thinking cap on. And we're going to dive into this text. We're going to do a little history work with the Gospel of Mark today. In Jesus' day, uh, the Pharisees and the religious leaders believed uh, certain things about the Word of God that Jesus kind of has to correct. They believed that God's word came to them in two ways, that God gave his word to the Jews in the Old Testament in two ways. The first way is in the law that we have written down for us. We'll call it the written law, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. There's a test on this, okay? So I'm I'm coming back to you. So so think about this stuff, okay? We're going to come back to it. Uh, uh, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. This is what God handed to Moses. Moses wrote it down, and this is the commandments, the rules, the laws, and the promises of God written down for us. But the Pharisees also believed that God gave his word in another way, and it was handed down through the generation. This is called the oral law, or the oral traditions. God had other things to say to Moses that, wasn't ri- that he did not write down, I should say, and these things were then handed down through uh, oral tradition. So you have the written law and the oral law, the written word of God and the traditions of the elders. That's what they call the oral law, the traditions of the elders. And the Pharisees and the teachers of the law believed both of these carried equal weight. Both of these were the word of God. Okay, wake up, here we go. We're still moving along here, all right? So both of these are the word of God. Now, one of these oral traditions was called the tradition of the Corban law. That's what we heard today in the gospel reading, this Corban law. And the Corban law said this, if you have money that you are giving to your parents to take care of them in their old age, and you decide that you want to give that money to the temple, it is okay for you to take that money from your parents and give it to the temple. It's not dedicated to them anymore. You can give it to God for holy purposes. You don't want to take care of your parents and give to the Imagine Fund. That's fine. That's how we're going to do this. Okay? And so uh, this rule existed. Now, however, a loophole was discovered. Another rule was kind of built into this, which said you can take that money and dedicate it to the temple, but keep it for yourself for your own purposes. So this is why Jesus is upset, because what people were doing is they were taking money that they should have been using to honor their father and mother, to take care of their parents in the old age, and they were dedicating it to God, but using it to buy a car, 
Do you see the problem here? Do you see why this is not okay? They were, this is, I mean, this is a remarkable way of breaking a rule. It looks so holy and so pious. This is God's money, and this is my new big screen that I'm dedicating to God, you see. Uh, it's a holy way of breaking a commandment. They were not honoring their father and mother. They were dedicating, they were doing it with a holy, uh, with, with like a holy premise, only to serve themselves selfishly. And they're using this tradition, this oral tradition, as their excuse to do it. In Jesus' fury, he says, look, that oral tradition is not from God, and even if it were, you're using some sort of legalistic reason to actually get out of keeping God's commandments. Further, you're using this legalistic reason, and your parents in this society are suffering because of it. When God said, honor your father and mother, he meant it, and he didn't give you loopholes and a way to get out of it. And any rule or loophole you find that gets you out of honoring your father and mother is not from God. It is a sin. It is a sin. So this is why Jesus is mad. They're using holy premises to break commandments. They're looking for loopholes. As I was working through this text, it struck me that we don't have this problem anymore in our day. Everybody honors their father and mother perfectly and takes care of them into old age. So we don't really have to talk too much about that today. But where else could we go in the scriptures? Where else could we find some commandment that we really struggle with in our culture, that we really have a hard time hearing, and we always kind of look for the loophole in? Where would we go to find that? Oh, I know Ephesians 5, the epistle reading we heard today. That teaching on how husbands and wives are to take care of each other. You thought you were going to get out of it when you heard that reading this morning, huh? You didn't think we were going to talk about that one. This is a tough text. But I don't think there's any text in all of the Bible where we in our culture look for more loopholes than Ephesians chapter 5. Let me illustrate my point. Women, wives, when you heard the first line of that text today, wives submit to your husband. Was your first uh, knee-jerk reaction to say, glory, hallelujah? (laughs) No, nobody, right? No, what was the first thought? Really? What do we mean by submit? Maybe there's a mistranslation there. What does the Greek mean, right? How are we getting out of this? What do we mean by submit? Submit in all things as the church does to Christ? What do we mean by all things? What are the times when I don't have to do this? I mean, let's be honest. That's a 2,000-year-old text written by a single guy. Like, he doesn't understand marriage. And now we have better context, we're more advanced, we know things better. Clearly, this is not something I have to listen to. And we look for all kinds of loopholes. And we use all kinds of good biblical interpretation in our heads to try and do it. Now, men, husbands, you are no better. Because as soon as you saw that verse, wives submit to your husband, you stopped listening, you see. And you miss the next part, which says you are to serve your bride as the most important person in the entire world. You are to sacrifice everything for her. Everything you do is for her good, blood, sweat, and tears. You are to work for your life to make sure she is beautifully adorned, cared for, kept safe as the most important person that you know. You are to lay down your life for her. No questions asked. You treat her as Christ treats the church. And all you could think was, how do I get her to submit to me? (laughs) 
Like we were looking for the way out of it. Nobody was listening to the text. And all of this, no one was actually thinking about how beautiful it would be if husbands and wives actually pursued this sort of a relationship. No one was actually thinking about how wonderful it would be if we actually looked at what God created and thought about what he designed and tried as hard as we could to make that become a reality in our own lives. We didn't think of that. All we were doing was looking for a way out. Why? Because that old sinful nature in us just doesn't go away. And we're always looking for some self-serving advantage. We love ourselves more than our neighbor. So that if mom and dad get in the way by becoming a financial burden to me, I'm going to invent some kind of Corbin law so I don't have to deal with it. If, if sacrificing myself for my spouse becomes too hard, I'm just going to be glad that I live in a culture that has a man-made, no-fault divorce law to get me out of it. And instead of repenting and doing hard things, and pursuing what is true and good and beautiful and turning our hard hearts over to Jesus to take care of them. We look for the loophole. We try and find our way out. We try and get out from underneath this law so we don't have to actually do the hard thing. But here's the thing with Jesus. He doesn't give loopholes. He gives no way out from under the commands of God. When he says, honor your father and mother, he means it. When he says husbands and wives should live sacrificially for each other, he means it. He is calling us in all of our relationships to love just as he loved us. And he means it. No loopholes. And that is hard. It's really hard. And it's killing us. Too terrifying for us to even think about how hard this is. And that is exactly the point. This is an exposure of our sinful hearts. His commands here are putting our selfish, self-serving, loophole-loving, legalistic hearts to death. Because only when those things die can he take those hard things out of our chest and replace them with a heart of flesh, a heart of faith and love that he purchases for us on the cross. See, Jesus, there's no loopholes with Jesus. He doesn't even seek the loopholes himself when he comes into this world. Someone once asked Jesus, Jesus, what, are, what is the most important command? And Jesus said this. Here's the two most important commands. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. And notice how Jesus did this perfectly. Perfect. The Father commanded Jesus to come into this world to obey his law perfectly and then go and suffer and bleed and die as a sacrifice for the sins of the world on the cross. And when Jesus prayed, Father, if there's another way, show me that other way. And God said, there's no other way. Jesus said, fine, I'm obedient, I'll do it. And he honored God with his heart, soul, mind, and strength as he suffered and died on the cross for the salvation of the world. God is so pleased with this sacrifice that he raised Jesus up on the third day and set him as God and Lord over all of us. He honored God perfectly but what is more than notice this not only did he love god with all his heart soul mind and strength he also loved his neighbor as himself and you know who his neighbor is it is you you and i we are his neighbors his brothers and sisters and he has laid down his life for us one of the beautiful metaphors that describes christ's relationship to his church in the new testament is that of a bridegroom and a bride the church is the bride and jesus is the groom and Jesus comes, and in baptism, he unites himself to us. The two of us become one. 
And what's wonderful thing that you'll notice in marriage is, is what happens when two people get married, all of their property uh, sort of becomes each other's. What is hers is his, and what is his is hers. Now, for Jesus, uh, when he comes into the world and he unites himself to us, he takes everything that is ours, our sin, our shame, our guilt, our legalism, our love for loopholes. He takes all of this sinful stuff and he says, you know what, I'm taking that now and I'm making it my own. But it's not good for us, so I'm going to get rid of it. And he carries it all the way to the cross so that he can leave it in the tomb and be done with it. He takes everything that is ours, makes it his own, and removes it. But in exchange, he gives us everything that is his. His holiness, his righteousness, his mercy, his obedience. So that you and I are credited for everything that Jesus has done. When God looks at you, because you are united to Christ, because you are one with him, God sees nothing but a perfect, beloved child. Jesus gives you credit for his work so that he can pre present you, as it says today in Ephesians, as pure and blameless to the Father. You see, this is what it looks like to love. This is how Christ loves us. And love doesn't look for a way out. Love doesn't look for a uh, loophole. Love sacrifices for the beloved. Love gives itself to the beloved. Christ loves you, sacrifices himself for you, gives himself for you. And now that he has done this for you, he has raised you to a new life. He has given you his heart, a new heart. So that you can go into all of your relationships, whether it be with your parents, or with your spouse, or with your kids, or, or with uh, your, your co-workers, or whoever you have relationships with in this world. Christ comes to you and says, now love them as I have loved you. And I'm giving you my heart to do it. So we love as he loved us. And this is still hard. But it's the life we've been called to do. It's the life we live as the beloved people of God. It is hard, but this is why we daily must return to our baptisms, daily return to the cross, not seek a way out of it, but die and rise daily, reminding ourselves every morning of this message from Jesus, the message in which he says to you, I forgive you again today, and I raise you again today. Go out into this world. Go in peace. Serve the Lord. Love your neighbor. And know this truth. You are my beloved. And I forgive you no matter what. There are no loopholes in that promise. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we give you thanks for your son, Jesus. That he went to the cross, scorning its shame, and obeyed you perfectly so that we might be declared righteous in your sight. Be with us, Lord. Help us to live according to your will, to love according to your will. And forgive us, Lord, when we don't. Keep us faithful to you in all things as we pursue your will in this world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Having heard the word of our Lord, I invite you to please rise as we confess our faith in the words of the Nicene Creed. <laughs>